2 Kings 20 and verse number 1. In those days, Hezekiah was sick, near to death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for ye shall die and not live. Look at verse 2. Then he turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I walked before you in truth with a whole heart, and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah the prophet had gone into the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of your David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal, your land, heal you. And on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. Somebody say amen. And I will deliver you from the city from the hand of the Assyrians. And I will defend my city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of, the, lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Somebody say praise the Lord. Second, Second Chronicles chapter number 31. Second Chronicles 31. Second Chronicles 31. And I want you to look at a key verse here. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 31 and verse number 20. Second Chronicles chapter number 31. Second Chronicles 31, verse number 20 and 21. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all of Judah. And then he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and the commandment, to seek his God, and he did it with all of his heart, and he prospered. Somebody say prospered. Then I want you to go to Isaiah 31. Excuse me, Isaiah 38. And I want you to see this verse. The book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 38. I do believe this is a lie, right? Isaiah chapter number 38, verse number 1. Isaiah 38, verse number 1, it tells the same story that we just read. Isaiah 38, verse 1. In those days Hezekiah was sick, near unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you will die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray. I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add 15 more years to your life. That's shouting territory right there. Somebody say amen. Father, add the blessing to the preaching of your word, and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone, say praise the Lord. Now, I'm from the old school, and I still believe that Jesus is a divine healer. I still believe he is the great physician. 
Now, I know we live in a postmodern world where people want to argue with us whether he heals or whether he don't heal. That somehow divine healing was done away with when the last apostle died. Ladies and gentlemen, the last apostle died in the year 90 A.D. Jesus ascended to the Father approximately around 33 to 36 A.D. So approximately 40 to 40 some years later, 50 some years later, they tell us that divine healing stopped. In other words, when the last apostle died in the year 90 A.D., all divine healing ceased because we came because the Bible was put together. And since the Bible was put together, there is no need for miracles, signs, and wonders and no need for healing. That is the doctrine of especially the Southern Baptist Church. Not only the Southern Baptist Church, it is the fundamental doctrine of many Protestant denominations. Many Protestant denominations claim that divine healing or to receive a healing in your body is really done away with and God does not heal anymore because when the last apostle died, divine healing stopped with that person. Well, I've got good gospel news for you. that It's easy to say that. But it's another thing when you get sick and you need healing. Somebody say amen. Can I just hear somebody say praise the Lord? It's easy to say you don't, don't believe in healing and you don't believe in miracles and you don't believe in casting out devils. That's all good and fine until your baby is possessed with a devil, until your baby's on crack cocaine, until the doctor looks at you and says you have cancer and you cannot live. It's easy to say that when you come to a place in your life where you need God to move. I don't know about you, but I'm from the old school and I still believe that by his stripes we were healed. I still believe that every stripe he bore in his back was not only for our salvation, ladies and gentlemen, it was for the healing of our physical bodies. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that still believes that he is a divine healer, that he is the great physician? The Pentecostal doctrine, the Pentecostal doctrine. I, the last time I checked, this is a Pentecostal church. Are we not? Somebody say amen. And the last time I checked and I went to seminary, so, you know, I did study all this stuff. Now, I'm not being boastful, but I did study it. And the last time I checked the history books, there were four things that the Pentecostal movement was based upon. The first thing the Pentecostal movement was based upon, they, they, they without question taught that Jesus is the Savior. Number two, they taught that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. And number three, they taught that Jesus is the healer of our bodies. And then they number four, they taught that Jesus shall return again. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I still believe not only is he a savior, but he's a healer. He's a baptizer, and he is a soon coming king. And I, I just want to stop here and preach a little bit. Don't let no slick willy tell you anything else. Come on, somebody. I don't care how many degrees they have behind their name. I still believe he's a healer, he's a baptizer, and he is the soon coming king. Not only do I believe it's found in Scripture, but I have proof by experience that he's a healer. And we got so-called people, theologians, trying to tell us that divine healing is done away with and there is no use to seek for it and there is no use to pray for it. 
because they will throw up some kind of experience to you that their mama or their cousin or somebody else was sick and they prayed and they died. Well, let me just say this. That is why he is God and I'm not. That is why his eyes can see further than I can see and his heart can discern more than I can ever discern. But I've learned one thing that experiences does not dictate my theology. My theology dictates my experience. I don't base my life upon the experiences of others. I based upon my life what the Word of God says. Theology overcomes the experiences of life. Somebody say amen. And you, you may get discouraged and you may say, well, preacher, this so-and-so died and this. No, 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 no. Scripture trumps experience. Scripture is over experience. You're not God. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the hearts of people and you don't know the plan and the desire that God has to accomplish. All I'm required to do is to believe that He is a healer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I pastored for eight years in the great state of Kentucky and there, I told you this story before but I won't tell you again because it is one of those stories I'll never forget. There was a man by the name of Joby DeBlurler he was sick unto death. And this man was called to the hospital and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. The doctor said to Joe and his wife Jean that he only had a few weeks or maybe months left because the brain cancer was aggressive and Joe was going to die. Joe was one of those people that went to church every Sunday and didn't say much, didn't do much, didn't hear anything from him. But that day, Joe was sick. And that day Joe was worried. That day Joe had come to the end of himself. And I was called up to the hospital. And I walked into St. Joseph's Baptist Hospital. And I remember looking at Joby as he was laying there sick and grabbed his hand. And I looked at Joby and I said, Joby, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe according to Acts 10 and 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. How we went about healing all who were sick and oppressed to the devil, for God was with him. Do you believe for this cause was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil? Do you believe that by his stripes you were already made well? And Joby looked at me and said, I do, Pastor, I do. I took him by the hand and quoted James chapter 5, that if there be any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will raise him up. I took the bottle of oil out of my pocket and I laid oil and slapped it on his forehead and I laid hands on him I curse the spirit of infirmity I curse the spirit of cancer and commanded to come up out of his body and just then I promise you as I was praying I felt warmth come out of my right hand and shot out of my right hand into his forehead and he started shaking a little bit I looked at him said Job did you feel that Joe said, yeah, 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 I, I felt that, I felt that. I said, well, I just, I just know you are healed from this day forth. I walked out of the hospital, and Sean is my witness. I got a phone call from Gene, and his wife said, Pastor, I just want you to know the doctor took another brain scan, and they couldn't find one breast cancer scale in his body. This man, whoo, hallelujah, this man is made completely well. Do you know why? Do you know why we don't see divine healing in our churches anymore? Is because 
we don't really believe he can do it. Some of you ain't sick enough to believe it. When you get a death sentence, somehow our faith works overboard, don't it? We don't need God when we got Tylenol. We don't need God when we can pop a pill. And there's nothing wrong with it as long as you don't abuse it. Nothing wrong with doctors and nurses. But we live in a society where we got things at our fingertips and we're not desperate. But ladies and gentlemen, when you become to a desperate place and you have nobody but God, how many knows that activates your faith to believe God for the impossible? Joby was divinely healed that day. Hallelujah. Because he believed God. And I remember that was many years ago. And I remember that day as clearly as I'm standing before you. That was a lesson to me. That if you truly believe God and you truly believe the Word of God, I'm telling you God will work in your life. The Word works if you work it. If you don't work it, it ain't going to work. And we're reminded of a story tonight by the King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. I read the scripture to you how King Hezekiah was sick. The Bible says he was a great king. The Bible says, I read to you, that he was a great king and he, he believed God. As a matter of fact, other scripture says he tore down the altars of Baal and he returned to God. And Israel returned to God because King Hezekiah was a great king. But the Bible reminds us that this great king became sick. Not only was he sick, but he was sick unto death. And the Bible says he was weeping bitterly. And now this is not a man who just has a headache and a backache. This is a man who is deeply ill. Historians tell us that he had boils all over his body. According to verse number 7, he had a boil on his body. This boil is almost like leprosy or, a, or some would believe that the boil was a fast-eating cancer that was eating away his flesh, like an eating disease. It was eating his flesh away. He was in severe pain. And here, King Hezekiah was in severe pain. And the Bible says he's weeping to the Lord. He's crying to the Lord. And he was on his deathbed. He was dying on his deathbed. The Bible says in 2 Kings 20, 2 Kings 20 and verse 2, Look at this phrase. The Bible says in 2 Kings 20 and verse 2, Then he turned his face towards the wall and he prayed to the Lord, saying, He said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray. Lord, remember how I walked before you in truth. Remember, Lord, how I had a loyal heart. Remember, Lord, how I was good in your sight. And he wept bitterly. Can you imagine what King Hezekiah was feeling? King Hezekiah said, I'm not perfect, but Lord, I served you. Lord, I haven't been the best king, but I did serve you with all my heart. And now, Lord, I'm sick and there's nothing that I could do. And the Bible says he turned to the wall and he prayed. Now, why did he turn to the wall when he prayed? Because back then, usually the beds of kings was up against walls. It was a form of protection. So when he turned aside upon his bed... He was facing the wall. He was facing a direction. In other words, he was preparing to die, really. He just turned over to the wall 
looking at one side and he was preparing to die. And as he was praying to the Lord, he said, Lord, remember how I have prayed. Remember how I've walked in truth. Remember how I have had a loyal heart. He began to weep to the Lord. And the Bible says, the Bible says, King, the Bible says the prophet Isaiah, before the prophet left the courtroom, the Bible says in verse number four that Isaiah was in the court, the middle of the court. He hadn't even left his house yet. And the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, I want you to go back and tell King Hezekiah that the, I'm going to heal him. And not only am I going to heal him, but I'm going to deliver him from his enemy. And not only am I going to deliver him from his enemy, but I am going to add 15 more years to his life. Now, I don't know about you, but that's shouting territory. Because when I read that story, that tells me that God does not subtract. God adds. God doesn't divide. He multiplies. God doesn't bring to you a negative. He brings a plus to your life. Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go back and tell him, I'm going to add 15 more years to his life. I'm not only going to heal him. I'm going to restore 15 more years. It's kind of like what the prophet Joel said. That in the latter days, the years that the cankus worm and the locust has eaten, what I'm going to do in the last days is I'm going to restore the years that the locust and the canker worm has eaten. I want to let this church know something that not only is God in the healing business, but God is in the adding business. He can add things to your life. You say, preacher, my marriage is falling apart. I prophesy that the latter years of your marriage is going to be greater than the former years of your marriage. You say, well, preacher, my life is falling apart. God has a way of restoring your life and adding things to your life that would blow your mind. Job, Job lost everything he got. Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Job's friends came to him, a bear of bad news, and Job was getting ready to give it up and throw in the towel but the Bible says in Job 42 that Job prayed for his friends. And guess what God did? God added to Job's life seven times more than he ever had. I'm so tired of the devil stealing from you. I'm so tired of the devil robbing from you. I'm so tired of the devil taking from you. My God, the Bible says in the book of Exodus, if the thief be found, he must return sevenfold back to your life. I don't know about you, but I want sevenfold to be returned back into our lives. I'm so tired of so passive Christians wearing spandex and waving rainbow banners and negotiating with the devil. I want somebody to throw away their Barbie toys and rise up and be men and women and declare, Thus saith the word of God. Woo! Sitting negotiating with the devil all the time. Sitting around saying, Mr. Devil, give it back to me. Mr. Devil, give me back my home. Mr. Devil, no, 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 you can't negotiate with the devil any longer. I want somebody to get in the foxhole and know how to fight. The word works if you work it. You see, some of you don't understand the thing I'm saying because you don't got to war your spirit. I've, I've been there. I've been in places well, I had to walk on Christmas Day to drug houses and hoods trying to find my brother and bring him out of crack cocaine houses and couldn't find him. I was there 
when I saw people take knives and stab it in their stomach and left for dead. I saw it with my eyes. I was there. You see, I had to walk through all that. And one of the things I've learned was that God didn't create me to give up. God didn't create me to throw in the towel. God said you didn't come this far to give up. I didn't teach you how to swim to let you drown. I didn't give you the cross so you can abandon the crown. I've brought you in so I might bring you to the place that I've called you to be. God's calling us to arise and shake ourselves. If you believe God is God, then let's, let's believe Him. If God is God, then He's God. If Baal is God, then believe Him. But it's time that we still believe in the same God that can rain fire down from heaven. The same God that can part the Red Sea. The same God that can take a few little loaves of fish and loaves of bread and multiply it for the nation. The same God that can raise things that's been dead for four days. That's the God I'm talking about. Either you believe Him or you don't believe Him. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? I'm tired of this sick, passive Christianity where we only might be able to make it to church on Sunday morning, and if by God we have enough strength, we might make it Wednesday night. And preachers, please don't ask me to serve and don't ask me to come to church on Wednesday because i got too much going on in my life. Don't ask me to do anything more than I feel comfortable in doing because you know my life is really busy, preacher. Guess what? Your life will never be not busy. Well, I'm preaching real good. This is a Sunday night message. Come on, somebody. You say, well, preacher, I'm not mad. I'm just stirred up because I believe that we're living in the last days and one of the greatest revivals that will ever hit America is getting ready to hit America. One of the greatest moves of God that's getting ready to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, Joel prophesied it. Joel said your sons and your daughters is getting ready to prophesy. Your old men is getting ready to see visions and dreams. We're getting ready to experience exactly what the Word of God said that we're going to experience. And if we're going to be in this end time harvest, you can't base everything upon whether you feel comfortable or not. Where in Scripture did it tell you to be comfortable? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. If you want to serve me, you've got to love me more than you love your children, your wife, and your husband. For if you do not, Jesus said, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. That is why Jesus said in the last days, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? He'll say, I don't know you. You know why? Because Jesus said himself that the narrow gate has very few following it. The broad way has many. Because it's easy to go in the same direction of the crowd. It's very hard to go upstream against the flow. Books are not written by losers. Books are written by great people who defied the odds of their life. We can go the way of the crowd and go down the narrow way or the broad way or we can go through the narrow way. And Jesus said there's only a few, only a few in the narrow way. Only a few. If that doesn't disturb us, only a few. Exactly what He said. There's very few who will be willing to pay the price 
very few. King Hezekiah was so sick. The prophet came back and said, I'm going to restore to you 15 more years. And that's just how God does it. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to restore seven years, seven, 15 years to your life. You know what this story, this story teaches me tonight that good people get sick. This tells me tonight that just because you get sick doesn't mean that God don't love you or something's wrong with you. And that is the false doctrine of today. You'll hear it preached in pulpits that if you don't have enough faith, then you're sick and God don't approve of you. Well, that's heresy. Because Lazarus, who Jesus loved very much, was sick and he died. Good people get sick. And because you get sick doesn't mean you didn't have enough faith. Because you get sick doesn't mean you've done something wrong. Because you get sick doesn't mean you have some kind of sin in your life. Good, righteous people get sick. This story tells us that King Hezekiah was sick. And the Bible says he prayed and said, Lord, I've been loyal to you. This tells us that good people get sick. But it also tells us that good people can receive healing. Because he turned his face to the wall and he began to pray to God alone. And the Bible says, and his prayer was instant, was in, was answered instantaneously because Isaiah went back to him and said I'm going to God said I'm going to add 15 more years to your life this story also teaches us that you can remind God of what you've done in your life because what did King Hezekiah do King Hezekiah said Lord I've been good Lord I've been loyal to you Hezekiah wept you see that's not popular Sometimes we don't want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've served you all my life. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does say, Lord, I've been committed to you all these years. And Hezekiah reminded God, God, I have been there. I've been loyal to you all these years. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what I've done in my life. I have many family members who don't serve God. And you know what I do? I tell God, God, they don't have a covenant with you. They don't know you. They're alienated from you. They're far from you. But Lord, I know you. I have a covenant with you. They don't know you, but I know you. And because I know you, I ask you to protect them and guide them and direct them. This story teaches us that good people do really get sick. But it also teaches us that God not only heals, but God can also restore. It also teaches us that God answers prayers. And sometimes God answers prayers through other people. Because the Bible, listen, don't lose me. The Bible says the Lord spoke to Isaiah and said, Isaiah, you go tell him. He has 15 more years. Sometimes God answers prayers, not by directly speaking to you, but God will speak to through someone else to you. That's exactly what happened here. God spoke to Isaiah. Then Isaiah spoke to Hezekiah. God never spoke to the king. God spoke to the prophet. 
It teaches us that God does answer prayers, but sometimes God uses other people to answer your prayer. And listen, do not disregard prophetic voices in your life. And what, listen, one of the things that stop us from receiving from God is familiarity. Um, you, you, you can become familiar with Pastor Josh because you see me every week. You can become familiar with the preaching of the Word. No longer does it have any effect on your life at all. And so therefore you don't receive anything and the Word doesn't work in your life because you become familiar with the Word. It's the same way with anything. You can read the Bible and it become familiar where it doesn't have the impact on your life. And God spoke not to Hezekiah, He spoke to Isaiah and Hezekiah, get this, Hezekiah received the word as if it was spoken to him. And guess what Hezekiah did? Hezekiah latched onto the word and said, yes, I'll take that. I will take that. If you said the Lord said, I'm going to live 15 years, I'll grab a hold of that and I'll take it. Have you ever heard a sermon and I was preaching or somebody else was preaching and they didn't know anything you were going through, but as a sermon was going forth, something leaped in your spirit and said, I'll take that. I'll take it. If nobody else wants it, I'll stand right up in this house and I'll take that word home with me. And when you latch a hold of the word of God, it has the potential to change your situation. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. He latched onto the word of God from Isaiah and said, I'll take that word. I'll take that word that I'm going to live 15 more years. This tells us that good people do get sick, and that doesn't, because, that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. That's called life. It teaches us that God does heal and God does restore. It teaches us that God answers prayers sometimes by other people. He will speak to and through other people to give us the answer. This story teaches us that it is okay to remind God of your covenant with Him. It's okay to remind God that you have been faithful. Do you think that God somehow don't, doesn't know that? Of course He knows it. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It just means that you have a covenant with Him. And that's exactly what Hezekiah was praying. I have a covenant with you, God. And you know what Hezekiah was meaning? If I got a covenant with you, that means that what is yours, y'all ain't getting this. You know what a covenant is? What is yours? We'll say that again. Y'all ain't hearing me. What is a covenant? Whatever is, is, and whatever is, is, what is a covenant? Whatever is, is, and whatever is, is yours. You know what Hezekiah was saying? Lord, I haven't been perfect, but I want to remind you, I got a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you said you are a healer, then I'm going to take that. If you said you are a provider, I'm going to take that because I am in a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. 
will latch hold of it. It's interesting that some of us in the Christian world say we have a covenant with God and we want to claim all of God's promises because everything that God has, we want it. But we have a trouble saying everything God I have See, somehow I think our covenant relationship is one-sided so many times. We want everything that God has for us. But when God asks us to sacrifice, oh, I'm just not there, Lord. Then you're really not in a covenant relationship. Because a covenant means everything I got is yours. Everything you got is mine. We're in this thing together. You see, in closing, Hezekiah prayed. The Bible says, you're going to have 15 years to your life. In verse number 7, then Isaiah said, now get this, I'm going to close with this. 2 Kings 20, verse 7 says, after he said, I'm going to deliver you from the hand of the enemy. And the blessing here was threefold. I'm going to restore to you 15 years. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to deliver you from your enemies. That's a great prophetic word to anybody. I'm going to deliver you from your enemies. I'm going to restore to you 15 years. I'm going to heal your body. And then the Bible says, then Isaiah said, take a, a lump of figs. They took it, laid it on the boil, and the man recovered. Now hold on here. I thought the word of the Lord to this man was that this man was healed. That God was going to add 15 more years. Well, did you know that in the Jewish world, figs, F-I-G-S, figs, were used for medicinal purposes? They would lay figs on boils because there was an ointment on the figs that brought healing to the, the boils or from the disease. And it's interesting that the prophet Isaiah took something that was natural after he received the word of God and the man was still healed. That tells me that sometimes, even though God will speak his word to you and you receive healing and you grab a hold of the word, that does not mean you disobey the words of the doctor. Boy, I just got five amens and three grunts. I'm going to say it again. Just because you received the word of the Lord and because he said, I'm going to restore to you and I'm going to bring healing, that doesn't mean you disobey what the medical profession are saying. Because he took the figs and he laid it on the boil. And that was a sign that God was going to keep his word. Sometimes God uses doctors and nurses and sometimes he will bypass doctors and nurses and bring instantaneous healing to your life. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, then what is the sign that the Lord will heal me? Now, isn't that interesting? The next verse, what is the sign that the Lord is going to heal me? Isn't it interesting that he received the word? The word was, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to add 15 years to your life, but the healing did not happen instantaneously yet. And Hezekiah was like, 
hey prophet, tell me what is the word of the Lord here? How do I know God's going to keep his word? How do I know that I'm going to go to the house of the Lord on the third day? Now I can go on and preach a little bit here, but I want to stop and say this. Did you see what the king said? He said, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me that I may go up to the house of the Lord? He didn't say, what is the sign? When is God going to heal me so I can go do what I want to do? He said, how do I know God's going to heal me so I can go back to the house of God and give him praise and thanks? Somebody better help me out. And that's what happens when God answers and God moves on our behalf. Somehow we forget about the house of God. I have prayed for people, Lord, bless them financially, and they will get so blessed and never tithe, and I'll never see them in church again. I've prayed for people, they've got healed, and I've prayed for people, and they've died. But the people that have gotten healed, they're not more dedicated than they used to be. As a matter of fact, they just come whenever they think they want to, and it doesn't matter. They just live a carnal life. Just whatever. You would think after he kept the part of his covenant, that you would be like Hezekiah, the reason he healed me is so I can stand in his house a little longer and raise my hands and give him praise and give him glory to his name. He said, what is the sign? So I can go back to the house of God. And Isaiah said, well, this is a sign from the Lord. That the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken and shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees and go backwards 10 degrees. In other words, what I'm getting ready to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with the time zone here a little bit. <laughs> Just to prove to you I'm going to keep my word. Hezekiah answered and said, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go back 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward by which it had gone down from the sundown. See? God said, I'm going to keep my word. But Hezekiah said, just give me a sign because when I get my word, when I get my healing, I'm going to make sure I put first things first. And the first thing is, I'm going to make sure I go to the house of God. Isn't it interesting that David said in Psalm 23, David said in Psalm 23, in verse number 1, Psalm 23, verse number 1, David said it like this, we've all heard it, Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me, my rod and my staff that comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what David was saying? I'm getting through this valley and I'm going to come through this valley 
but I'm not coming through this valley so I can sit at home. I'm coming through this valley so I can take a trip to the house of God. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this preacher tonight. Don't forget God when you are prospering. Don't forget about God's house when you got money in the bank and your kids are saved and sanctified and you have no worries. Don't forget about the house. Don't forget about the house when you're whole and healed and you don't need the preacher to show up to pray for you. Don't forget about the house. Don't forget about the house when you don't need the church to help you any longer. Hezekiah said, I need the house more than I've ever needed the house. I need the house. Hallelujah.